I want to preach to you today about a story that has eight characters in it. I don't know if I'll get through with all of them. I hope I do. Don't get alarmed. i got a clock to watch, so I'm going to do my best to let you out of here. Whereas one preacher used to say, you could beat the Baptist to Bonanza. And so, but nevertheless, God laid this on my heart. And uh, out of these eight people, there were some good people. There were some not so good, and in particular, there was one that was bad, and especially he should have been good. And uh, I think this will teach us some very good lessons in our life. As I was studying it and praying over it, this is what the Lord kind of laid on my heart to do. Uh, one of the women, uh, one of the characters was a young Hebrew maid who was held in captivity by the Syrians. And uh, I've preached about her a lot of time, and I call her the faith keeper. Keeps the faith, regardless of where she was, what kind of condition she was living in. You'll see when I read that she kept the faith. And there's one other thing about her, and I'll bring it out later. And then there was Naaman, the captain of the army of Syria, uh, he represents the world and its need because though he seemingly had everything he wanted, he was a leper. And leprosy, we know, in the Bible represents sin. Then there was Naaman's wife. The uh, young maid gave her some good news, and she shared it, and they took it to the king. And, you know, as I was studying this, I thought, you know, we have the good news, and we need to share it. This world is looking for some good news. You won't find it on television. You won't find it in the news. The only place you'll find good news is from God. And we have some very good news about him because he's going to send Jesus back for long and rescue us and get us out of all this and carry us to heaven. Then there's the king of Syria and the king of Israel. Both of them are earthly authorities, and I'm going to probably repeat this, but Neither one of them could do any good in this situation. And I want to tell you, if you got your hope in the government, you're in bad shape. They're not going to rescue you. They're not going to help you. They're not going to keep their word. They're going to lie like they have forever. Amen? So we don't need to put our hope in, in government or in kings or in presidents. And then, of course, there's Elisha, uh, a man connected with God. And that's what I want us to all be, connected with God. Then there's Naaman's servant, not Elisha's servant, but Naaman's servant. Uh, we're going to call him the man with good sense. He had some good sense about him, and you'll see this for long. Then there's Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the earthly-minded, self-righteous guy of today listen we're not in this for what we can get today we're in this for what God has promised us he has for us and I want to tell you one day in heaven will be better than years in the best part of this world can you say amen to that let me read second kings 5 1 through 5 now Nathan Captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria and he was also a mighty man of valor. 
but he was a leper. Let me tell you something. I don't care what you gain in this world. I don't care what you have in this world. I don't care how good you think it is. If you don't know Jesus, you're a leper. You have something in your life that's going to carry you to death. And that's why the Bible always kind of refers to leprosy as sin. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Syria a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would God my Lord were, in the prof, uh, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of, of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that, was in the land, uh, that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go. Go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of uh, silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you today for your word, and we ask God for your anointing to be upon it. We confess that we're nothing, God, but you're everything. And we just ask that you'll bless this word today. Let it touch the hearts of this people. God, I pray that it will touch them as you touch me with it. And God will give you praise and glory for what you do. For it's all in the name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. First, this story is about this young maid who had been held captive. One thing she didn't hold, it appears, animosity. I want you to think about it just a few minutes. That during a war, she was separated from her parents from her family and carried into a strange land to be a servant to somebody that she didn't know. And I'll tell you, if that's not enough to get you down, I don't know anything else that could. Come on. But it didn't with her. Because see, as I've often said, she kept the faith. In fact, she was so great that she said something that she never even saw. She said, I wish my Lord was in Samaria where the prophet is, that God may heal him of his leprosy. She had never, ever, come on, never, ever seen anybody heal from leprosy. In fact, I'll tell you that she had never heard of it. But I want to tell you, when you have faith, and this little woman had faith, uh, faith will carry you to places where you've never been and places that you have never seen. Come on. The great thing about her having faith was that she didn't hold hard feelings. She wasn't begrudging these people that she was living in. Let me tell you something. You, can't have, you cannot have animosity in your heart against people, regardless of what they've done, and have faith at the same time. Faith requires a clean and holy temple to operate in. Can you say amen to that? To me, she is the main story, the main character in this story, because without her, nothing else would have happened. And without faith, nothing happens. And here this young woman was, this young maid, I don't know, she may have been a teenager, I don't know how old she was, but thank God for her faith. Uh, Hebrews 11 and 1 said, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, 
and evidence of things not seen. She was speaking of something that she had never seen and never heard. And the captain of the army of Syria was a man who people looked up to. He had authority. But even though he had what seemed to be the best of the world, he was typical of the world today. He had leprosy, as I said, which represents sin. It brings forth death. Jesus said if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul, it don't profit him anything. What I'm telling you today, people, is that we need to cut ourselves loose from the world. I'm not talking about quitting your job and things, but I'm telling you, we don't need to put our hope on anything in this world. Our hope should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, Nathan heard that there was help in Israel and that the prophet could heal him, and that was good news to him, and so he set out to go there. 2 Kings 5, 5 through 7, And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send the letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. Now this is how the world thinks. I want you to keep this in mind. He's going to be healed. He's going to ask God to heal him, but he's taking all these worldly things that he thinks is worth something because his intention is when he heals, he's going to give it. He's going to pay it. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit later. But I want to tell you, grace of God is free. Yes. Hallelujah. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. It's a gift that's from God. Can you say amen? And it come to pass when the kings of Israel had read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, I am I God to heal I mean, to, uh, to kill and to make alive that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh the quarrel against me. Man, he must have been one of my church members one time. Because regardless of what somebody says, they always think somebody's talking about them or trying to start something with them. But I want to tell you, no king and no president is our help, as I already said. Five and eight. And it was so that when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Is there a prophet in Israel? Is there men and women of God at Evangel? You say amen, and I agree with you. But do they know it? Does the world know it? Does Mount Olive know it? I tell you, God's ready to do some things in our life that will spread his word throughout this community. We don't have long to work. Naaman represented every sinner that needed help. He represents the sinner, uh, has no one else to turn to. You know him. He comes to church every once in a while. He hears the gospel, but he goes on his way. Now, 2 Kings 5, 11 and 12, I said, but Naaman was wrought when he told him what, I think I missed one, excuse me. 
It said, And Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha, and Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall be again unto thee, and thy shall be clean. Wait a minute. That ain't the way God does it. Hello? Naaman said he was mad. He went away and said, Behold, I thought, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are there not Abana and Far Prayer rivers of uh, Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now we might look down on him, but I want to tell you something. I caught myself praying here a while back and asking God for something, and before I got through talking, I was telling him how I wanted him to do it. Are we not guilty of that so many times when we ask God to do something, then we tell him how we want him to do it? Naaman said, I thought. I thought surely what he'd do is just come out here and rub the place and have prayer and call on his God, and I'll, I'll be okay. But I'm going to tell you something. The church world are full a name is when it comes to prayer. We tell God, we tell God to do it my way. But I'm here to tell you God will only do it his way. And when we submit to him and his way, that's when things are going to happen in our life. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we have the attitude as Christians that God blesses us, but we don't know how to handle the blessing. Listen here in 12. 6 through 21, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And I want you to listen to this. And he said, This will I do. I will put down my barns and build greater barns. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and not rich toward God. It's not what shall I do, but it's always, God, what do you want me to do? Our flesh will always come up. I don't care how good the situation. Naaman said, I thought he would come and rub his hands on me. I thought when they anointed me with oil that I'd be okay. I thought since I had been fasting about this, that God would take care of it immediately. 
I want to tell you, we need to leave our thoughts alone and listen to the voice of the Almighty God. I don't know how to say it like I want to say it, but we, we're too much in ourselves sometimes in our prayers and not enough into God. Naaman said, I thought he'd just come out here and do this. I thought we'd just have a little service and everything would be okay. I, I, I thought that we wouldn't have to really pray and raise our hands and praise God during the singing like we should. Hello? There was a wise servant with him. In 2 Kings 5 and 13, and his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, talking to his commander, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, wash and be clean. See, this servant, as I was studying on this, he reminds me of that soft, still voice of the Holy Spirit. When we set our minds to do some things sometimes, we think God's going to do like we do our kids. He's going to holler at us, but he's not. He approaches us with that small, still voice, the voice of reasoning. If he had asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? That's what he said to him. Now, why don't you just go and go back down to the river and dip seven times? That made sense. You came to the man to receive your head, and he told you what to do. Now you're mad because he didn't do what you thought he's going to tell you to do. I think we get that way with God. I'm serious today. I think we get that way with him sometimes because we put in our mind how God's going to do it. The Bible said, Then when he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Let me tell you, obedience is better than sacrifice. And he returned to the man of God. He and all his company came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And he said, As the Lord liveth, behold, whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. All that silver, all that gold, and those changes of raiment he brought to pay for what God was going to do. Now, we're guilty of that. We just might as well admit it to ourselves. We're guilty of that. Sometimes we want to try to pay God back by doing certain things and saying certain things. Let me tell you, Jesus paid the price at Calvary. There's nothing that we can do to pay back or give to God for this wonderful gift he's given us called salvation, divine healing, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the other things he got. They are free. Jesus paid the price. I know how I was when I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I made up my mind I was going to fast one day a week. And I did. 
And I prayed during that day, and I'd go back to church, and nothing happened. Hello? So I'd fast the next Tuesday, and the same thing went on, and the next one, and the next one, till God finally got me where he wanted me. I was so discouraged I wasn't even going to ask him. Do you know sometimes God has to tear us down before he can rebuild us? I made up my mind that was it. I'd fasted all those days. I'd prayed as hard as I could. I said, I'm not going down to the altar for the baptism of the Holy Spirit again. Never. That's it. It's not for me. See, because God wouldn't do it my way. He wouldn't do it the way I wanted him to do it. The way I had put in my mind that it was going to happen. You've heard me tell this many times. Ed Wilson's wife, he wasn't, she wasn't his wife at that time, but she's a young girl, about 16 to 17. She went down to the altar, started praying for the Holy Spirit. I thought, well, since I can't receive it, I'll go down and pray for her. Wasn't that nice and generous of me? Huh? So I went down, and I started praying for God to fill her with the Holy Spirit. Got my mind off of Jerry Langford. Hello. And the next thing you know, I found myself raising my hands and praising God. And this older woman who had come to sing for us, her and her uh, sister, who couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. I mean, she was terrible. But she said one of the most important things that's ever been said in my life. I was raising my hands and I was praising God. And she said, son, why don't you let the Holy Ghost praise God for you? And God baptized me in the Holy Ghost that very instant. Come on. You know why? Because I wasn't doing it my way. Hallelujah. When we try to do it our way, nothing never, ever happens. But when we do it God's way, it's always going to happen. Can you say amen? Are we not guilty sometimes trying to pay God? God, I've got a deal with you, Lord. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray, and this is what I want you to do. And I'm not against fasting and praying. The Bible tells us to do it. But when we have an ulterior motive behind it, that we're trying to get God to do something that we want him to do, and how many times in my life have I found out I'm glad he didn't do that? And I know you have too. See, Naaman wanted to reward Elisha with earthly treasures, but he wouldn't take them. He was a true man of God. Now, I don't think you'll find one of them on television today that won't take it. Hello? If there was, I'd like to find one somewhere. Well, they think that's the best thing in the world. I heard one talking about how, and I knew him when he was in the assemblies of God, and I thank God he was out of the assemblies of God, but he was one of these name it and claim it, and he was talking about how he drove his brand-new Lexus, and he didn't know a dime on it, and he went on and on. And I just, it really bothered me that I wasn't 
wasn't there where I could say something to him personally. Because I wanted to say, yeah, and them poor old widow women that you've got to send them money into you, they bought you Lexus for you. Amen. Amen? Let me tell you, this thing is not about money. You hear me? It's not about money. It's not about giving something that the world wants. It's about God giving us something that we need and we should want. Can you say amen? So when he refused it, Naaman made a vow. And he said, In this thing the Lord pardon my servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, when I bow down myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon thy servant for this thing. And Elisha said, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Now, if he had taken the money, he wouldn't never made that vow that when he went into the house of a false god, he knew he was going to be required to do that, but he said, I won't pardon from it because my heart is not in it. I'm not doing it because I know who's the God of, of this world, and that's the God of Israel. So he, he was saying, I just want to tell you that I'm going to make a vow, and I'm going to keep it. And the reason he made that vow was because he saw the sincerity of Elisha. He saw he wasn't in it for money. Come on. When the world sees our sincerity about God, things will change. When people are around you and they see that you're not after this world, but you're after God, then they will then believe that you are on the right road. But, you know, it seems every time God tries to do something good, there's always a Gehazi. I get amazed here in our church. Sometimes Gehazi will get started in our church, and, oh, Lord. we got a good church. We've got a blessed church. If, if only two or three or four of you just go home and get the scissors and clip the end of your tongue off, we'd have a perfect church. Hello. But here's Gehazi, the, the servant of Elisha, the man of God. Said be, he ran after him, and he, and he stopped to see what he wanted. And he said, "But, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman this Syrian." and not receiving uh, at his hands that which he bought, but as the Lord liveth, I will run after him, and I will take somewhat of him. I want you to remember that statement right there. I'm going to take somewhat of him. What you get running after the world might not be what you expect to get. And you need to understand that. 
And Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down off his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. Lie number one. When you go against what God wants you to do, it is not well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from the mountain, from Mount Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of raiment. Lie number two. Wasn't nobody coming. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him. And he bound two talents of silver in two bags and two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bear them before him. So Naaman got his, I mean, excuse me, Gehazi got what he wanted. He got him to carry it for him. It says, and when he came to the tower, he, stood, he took them from their hand and bestowed them into his house, and he let the men go, and they departed. Everything's wonderful now. And he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went nowhere. Third lie. And he said, And went not my heart with thee when the man returned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money, to receive garments, to, and olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and men servants, and maid servants? See, that's what he had in mind. With all this money, he was good at all these things. What did I say he said? I will run after him and take somewhat of him. Is it a time to receive all these things? The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from the presence a leper as white as snow. Let me tell you something. It's God or nothing. You get to want in this world, you're not going to pick and choose what you're going to get in this world. You're going to get what the devil gives you. Jesus was tempted on Mount Temptation and offered everything possibly to be offered. And he didn't do that as God. He did that as a man. You need to understand that. He was tempted. Because that's what's in us. We want the best of everything. We want to make sure we got plenty of money. Come on. We want to make sure we're secure in this earth. But you can't just pick what part of the world you want. 
You can't pick the things of the world without receiving the results of the world, which is leprosy or death. See, there's no little sins or big sins. Does that surprise you? James says if you offend the law in the least point, you're guilty of all. Same law said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Also said, Thou shalt not kill. He went and gave a comparison. And he says, If you do one, you do them both. Or all of them. Why? Because we're not sinning against the law, we're sinning against the lawgiver, against Jesus Christ. Now, this is what come in my mind. I don't know. The scripture don't say, say but it is a possibility that when Gehazi took this, these gifts, it tore down the grace of God and possibly let Naaman and others think that they bought the grace of God and they no longer was obligated to God. Could it be that on the way back that Naaman said within himself, well, I was going to do my best to serve God, but I've already paid the price. I gave them money. I'd give them all of it if they took it. See, you can't purchase or earn the grace of God. It's free. That's why we call it unmerited gifts of love. I don't deserve salvation. Neither do you. I, 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 don't, I didn't deserve the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't deserve to pastor this church. I mean that with all of my heart. But it's a gift from the grace of the Almighty God. When he tells you to go do this, it's not that you've earned it. I can tell you a thousand things that I've done that would tell me that I don't deserve it. And you could too if you'd be honest. I've said this so many times here in congregation, and nobody's ever taken me up on it. I said, would you like to stand and tell the worst sin you have committed since you've been saved? Any takers? No. It's a good thing you don't, because if you're under the blood, it don't exist anymore. Thank God for the grace of God. Is there things that he wants me to do for him? Sure. And we should do it. But we don't earn this salvation. We don't earn these things. Jesus paid the price at Calvary. Which is it going to be in our life? Is it going to be Elisha? going to be Elisha's way or is it going to be Gehazi's way? 
Now, let me tell you something. It can't just be a little bit of both. In fact, it can't be any of both. See, our rewards are going to come later. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know nothing in this world I want. You see on the news all the time these great guys and how successful they were, the next thing you know, they're about to go to jail. It really just should be one big prison in Washington, D.C. They just need to build, that's where they need to build a wall. <laughs> Hello? They're all crooks. If they're not, when they get there, after they've been there a while, they will be. That's why Paul said, this is not my country. I look for a better country whose builder and maker is God. I feel for our teenagers today. I feel for our small children today. If Jesus tarries, it's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. But I don't think he's going to tarry. I think he's coming. Everything I read and I see, I'm going to say something the Lord said to me, but I'm going to put it in a different way, and I've used it a lot of times. But if we'll move heaven for others, God will move earth for us. He'll meet our needs. We don't have to do things, things that we shouldn't, trying to receive and get. God wants us to pray. Jesus says, and I'm closing. Music can come on. Don't stand yet. Paul is just a laughing back there. I want y'all to know that. She's been after me that for that for 20 years. <laughs> Rightfully so. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 and 30, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. That's all we need to do today is come to him. You got a problem, a trial, that you hear and you don't know Jesus, let me tell you something. The devil tell you how hard it is to be saved. That's a lie that he tells. The easiest thing in the world to do is give your heart to Jesus Christ. I know that because it's reality. When my brother-in-law at my mother-in-law's house asked me, did, was I a Christian, I told him no. And he said, do you want to be? And I said, yes. And I'm telling you, when I said yes, I felt the load of sin leaving me right then. And then I prayed, and I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus is Savior. The next three days, three days, every waking minute, the devil told me I wasn't saved. And every waking minute, I told him I was 
you know when you got saved. If you don't know when you got saved, then I'm going to tell you, you hadn't been saved yet. You need to understand that. It's more than walking down shaking a preacher's hand. It's a relationship between you and Jesus. Jesus.